hi everybody we live in a house with animals and we're not necessarily locking the doors in the studio this week so you can expect uh, the unexpected when it comes to cats and dogs chickens which i mean Lacey is up in my grill right now ernie is very very calmly guarding the door and i said his name so he's wagging his tail and sergey is out in the hall out cold on the cat tree so that's it's all cool and the chickens are put away for the night already yes I should mention that while this is not a adult podcast, and that was in very weird air quotes, this podcast does contain swearing, and because iTunes only has two settings, clean and explicit, we have to mark it explicit. But really, we're, we're going to run about PG-13. No one under the age of 13 will appear on the podcast. Yes, unless you count the dog. And she's... I don't know how old in dog years. How old are you, sweetie? I don't know. I think she's been with us for a couple of years. These are the things that, that interrupt our, our productive thoughts here at Productivity about Alchemy. Six, now. six already. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Uh, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 59. We will be going on a two week hiatus starting next week as I'm doing the thing where I make everything sound like a question. Yes, up talk. up talk. We are going on a two-week hiatus because we will be at Worldcon in San Jose. And then to add to it, we have I have the first week of school and getting back into that with my son, who we'll be talking to later. Yes. One of the things uh, I've been doing over the past week has been working with trying Found to... This exercise ball is not big enough for the both of us. So we might have to throw the dogs out after all. I've been working on uh, keeping track of my stuff using basically the bullet journal shorthand. Mm-hmm. It's not a full-bore bullet journal. I'm not drawing out a calendar and a table of contents and all that stuff. But I'm finding there a little shorthand note for the, the dot for something to do, a little circle for an appointment, a little eye for something to that you need to investigate or research. It's actually kind of handy and is not taking as long for me to pick up as I had thought. The other Ooh. thing... Is I cheated a little. Embrace that cult. And embrace light, the your cult light status. The cult light status. Yes, yes. I I am uh, all the taste, half the calories. Uh, it, well, I'm really a C and E member. Uh, C and E. Yeah, Christmas and Easter. Right, you go to the two big high holy days, and then the rest of the year you just sort of yeah, really I'm. I, I think for for planner things, the high holy days would be back to school and uh, probably New Year's. Yeah, so I'm I'm a. a BTS and NY. Yeah. Yeah, uh, bullet journaler. I cheated, though. I don't have the little marks memorized. I, I put a sticker, so I bought... That's not cheating. This mm-hmm. is to keep you organized. You don't get points That's if you, true. like, memorized it. If you need a cheat sheet... You, have you been... Have you looked at, like, bullet journal Twitter or no, YouTube or... No, because it's a cult. Oh, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. So the back to school sales have been great because I've been finding all kinds of things. There is Tool. Actually no, this is an office by Martha Stewart ruler. Martha with, Stewart. Okay, that one was pretty good. <laughs> it's a bookmark ruler and it's about twice as thick as the standard ones that you get with Tool and Circa and Arc. Mm-hmm. So it was just the right size for me to put a big sticker on the back of with all the little 
like the symbols, what the symbols mean for bullet journaling. So if I'm like, right, this is going to be, so I've got a, you know, a little reminder there just on my left of the dot is a to do the little circles, a appointment, all that stuff. Uh, and that's totally fine. Yeah. One of the things I had hoped for when I was looking at the, I looked at the official planners and I don't think any of them had that reminder or that little guide on like every single page. And well, I found that yeah. if you've been bullet journaling for a while, it would just be, you know, redundant. Second nature. Yeah. yeah. So something like you have where you can add it to on the little ruler or whatever, mm -hmm. so it's a bookmark in the planner. Yeah. And then once you have it memorized, you can dispense with it. It'd be like, um, like I get aggravated with the garden journals for having, you know, a, a definition of germination on a page. It's like, dude... I already know what a freaking germination is. Are, are you talking about the journal pages, or are you talking about just, like, gardening guides? No, gardening <clears throat> gardening journals that have, like, the stupid oh, little... Oh, right, yeah. You know, here's your glossary of incredibly obvious terms that if you're... <laughs> a like, if you need to look up frequently enough to have it in your journal what germination is, gardening is probably not for you yet. Well, the thing is that none of these are designed by gardeners. Well, no, and that enrages me, but I have too much to do already, and I tried designing pages, and I got hung up on the lack of standardization of oh, everything, yeah. and I had to do, like, 50 different versions, and it just made me so barking mad that I eventually went off and discussed, and, you know. I, I actually really kind of respect the people who are doing these designs, because they are taking all that extra time to make sure it works at eight and a half by eleven versus a five versus a four versus. Oh yeah, I was all over yeah. Etsy looking at people's you know standardized you know make sure this is the size you want. Mm -hmm. You know this fits this following number of things. Yes. And but the other thing that caused me physical pain was the comments that oh lord the, they had the, the sort of things that you only make because someone has asked that like this has a gold accents. When you print it, it will not be gold foil right. from your printer. It will be gold colored. And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, you had to say that because somebody complained. You, yeah, uh, that's frightening. Yes. I mean, I have a color printer, which is handy for doing like this is if it's a blue it's a blue if it's a green it's a green yeah but people were expecting their their printers oh. to print foil and you know yeah no so no anyway i see that uh that the other test subject is waiting in the wings so i am just going to get through my week quickly please do is, i uh i wrote i did art and i felt incredibly unproductive and had a panic attack about how i was going to die in a ditch next to walmart Really? That wasn't a full panic attack. It was just an anxiety attack of, I'm not working hard enough. Stuff is not getting done. I'm going, I'm resting on my laurels. Uh, everything will collapse. So. Yes. And that sucked. Now, didn't someone suggest that this is an opportunity for you to start buying ditches next to Walmarts? Someone actually said that the clever thing to do would be to improve the ditch next to Walmart. Right. So that when I go to die there, I have a luxury ditch. And honestly, that is why I bought Dog Skull Patch, so that I have a luxury primo ditch to die in. So does that mean I have to dig a ditch? At no, I dig my own ditches. I'm All a liberated right. woman. Also, who dug the pond in the backyard? You did. I'm just making sure. Yes. I mean, it's important for you to dig this ditch before you die, because otherwise I'm going to have to hire somebody. Well, yeah. 
No, no. I, I, I will custom. I will make a very nice custom ditch. I don't think that's legal for me to leave you in the ditch. Uh, if I'm dead, you mean? Yes. Well, can you scatter my ashes in the ditch at least? Oh, absolutely. I will have spent yeah. Spent a lot of time on that ditch. You will have, and you, <laughs> I you... don't want that ditch to be wasted. That that becomes the Ursula Vernon Memorial Ditch. You heard it, heard it here, folks. The Ursula Vernon Memorial Ditch coming sometime in the future to Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Hopefully not for a good long time, though. All right. On that note... Um, anyway, yes. So I am going off to feel like I haven't done enough and right. um, play video games. Yeah, well, no. I'll check back in with you after oh. the interview in a little while. Yes. All right. Teenage test subject, come sit on this exercise ball and talk into the mic. Yes. You might want to, like, break for so you can do the sound check. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah. a sound check, so... And Hello. we're we're back. Yeah, Jacob. Hello. Hi. Uh, do you know why you're here? Oh yes, I do. All right. Mm-hmm. Do the people at home know why you're here? I do not think so. All right. So Ursula has been through all of the organizational methods. It's been a year, or Ursula has found a system that works for her, and so she's not necessarily a good test subject anymore. We're still having around to hold her accountable. Accountability is huge when you're using a planning system or getting things done or something like that, having a partner to help you keep you on track is a really useful thing to do. Now you've got a whole bunch of teachers at school. Oh yeah. And then you've got me. Yes. And I'm not sure if I'm the best at this, but uh, probably. (laughs) All right. We'll, uh, we'll go with that. I mean, my teachers don't usually help me too much. Well, the the idea with your teachers and your school is that you're a junior in high school, mm-hmm. and so you should know how to do this, and they shouldn't have to be up in your grill about it. Oh, yeah. Which did not quite hold true for your brother. Uh, no, it didn't. I'm pretty sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to help Jacob prepare for college and try to keep track of his schoolwork and things like that as he moves on towards the last two years of high school. Dun, dun, dun. Which it's it's kind of crazy thinking that I'm already at junior year. Yeah, you think it's crazy for you. <sighs> anyway, so the first thing I did was back to school sales, man. I love back to school sales. And you saw how crazy I get in yeah. a back to school sale. Yeah. And I was good in that while we were out buying school supplies, I did not buy anything for myself. Which was, that was nice. It was, it was an act of will. <laughs> uh, but before that, I got you your own planner. Yeah. And I got you a, I believe that is a Staples Arc planner. Uh, yes. yes, it is. With their new academic year pages. Uh-huh. So Staples now has a monthly slash weekly planner, as does Tool. She's mm-hmm. out of earshot, so she's not yelling it at the... All right. Yeah. <laughs> I really got to get a soundboard to push the button for that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then we've got you set up with a basic weekly planner with yes. monthly blocks mm-hmm. and some straight plain paper for note-taking and or doing to-do lists or lists of things that you need to get done. Indeed. So your first assignment as mm-hmm. a test subject and the new Padawan... Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just, I can't do it. I cannot. It, does, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. As the new test subject, the first thing you should do is populate at least the monthly portion with all the important school dates. Okay. Like first day of school, what days you have off, what days are half days. That'll help remind mm-hmm. you and help you remind me. Because yes. I'm I'm putting them in mind too. Okay, I reminders. have been investigating it. Mm-hmm. Like I've already like filled out all the forms on the front page and Ooh, things like that. So that if it's lost and so all that stuff. So if it's lost, yeah. then uh, yeah. Cool. 
All right. Um, but that's that's pretty much your homework assignment oh, yeah. for this until we come back, which will be right around uh, the first week of school First itself. week of school? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we'll see how you're doing. But the idea is write down your... I mean, you know what your schedule is going to be. So, oh, yeah. I've already written that down. Yeah. And... It's much more of a, all right, when you have an assignment due on Tuesday the 15th, you write in Tuesday the 15th that such and such is due, and and then we'll work from there. Yes. yes. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be, I'm sure the fans will be excited to hear more from you as time progresses. All right. That look of terror on your face is telling. Yeah, I'm kind of sweating, but. <laughs> it's fine. As for everybody else, what we're going to do now is I had the chance to sit down with Lynn and Michael Damien Thomas from Uncanny Magazine this past weekend and talk about how they stay productive, especially with their special needs daughter and uh, the current Uncanny Magazine Kickstarter that's going on. So we're going to talk about all of that right after this. Hi, folks. I am really excited this week. I have the Space Unicorns on <laughs> the podcast this week. I have uh, Lynn and Michael Damian Thomas, the uh, principal people behind Uncanny Magazine. And I love their magazine. Um, I love the selection of authors and the special projects they do. And I'm just excited for you guys to be here. So... Um, Now that I've told them a little bit about what you do, can you introduce yourselves a little more formally and tell us more about what you do, not just cool magazines? Okay. Um, Yeah, we can certainly do that, Lynn. So I'll go first. Um, I'm Lynn M. Thomas, the co-editor-in-chief and co-publisher of Uncanny Magazine. Uh, In my day job, I am the head of the rare book and manuscript library at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Uh, and, uh, in my not day job, I'm the co-editor in chief and co-publisher of Uncanny Magazine. Plus, plus, oh, oh, also I'm a contributing member of the Verity podcast, uh, which is a Doctor Who podcast with six women from across the planet who talk about Doctor Who on the regular. And I am Michael Damian Thomas, and I am the co-editor in chief and co-publisher of Uncanny Magazine, along with Lynn. Uh, and we also host the podcast version of Uncanny Magazine. Uncanny is an online science fiction fantasy. Hugo Award winning. Hugo Award winning. Uh, uh, SF Mag with with interesting, good, fantastic stuff and a podcast. Uh, we are currently in the middle of our year five Kickstarter, where one of the goals is to start Uncanny TV, which will be a video channel featuring our managing editor, Mitchie Troda, and Matt Peters, who is also on numerous podcasts. So this is our hope currently. And when I am not working on Uncanny Work, which right now during a Kickstarter is pretty much constant, Always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am the caregiver for my daughter, Caitlin, who has a rare congenital syndrome called Acardi syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I, I got to say, man, Caitlin is a joy to be around. And uh uh, I love seeing her at events when when we get a chance and saying hi and all that stuff too. So, um, 
so there's a lot going on there. Um, how do you keep yourself organized? And I'm guessing because both of you are on at the same time that there's there's a lot of uh, sort of interwoven stuff going on here. Yes. <laughs> we share a hive mind. It lives in Michael's brain. Ah, okay. Uh, ba- basically, I, I, well, Lynn, Lynn calls me her... You're my personal hard drive. Yes. <laughs> I, I have that kind of memory. So we've been... Uh, barring you know of course we are married and have been partners now going on 20 years but along with that we've been working together on projects for about 10 years mm-hmm. uh, originally it started with lynn's earlier job uh, when i was the curator of rare books and special collections at northern illinois university working on science fiction archives so what would happen is we would go to conventions so Lynn could talk to authors there about whether they had placed their literary papers anywhere. And at that point, it became such a large, because she also had the normal day job stuff, I would come with her and just kind of as her personal assistant, setting up all the meetings and keeping track of who all the writers are. Making sure I remembered the important parts of the conversation, because by the seventh conversation, my brain had given out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I... So I would be the note taker and stuff. And then that would and that evolved into Lynn's first book, Chick Stick Time Lords, which she co-edited with Tara O'Shea. I was the associate editor on that. And I did a lot of her. Once again, I was doing a lot of assistant work for her, which then grew into her being editor in chief of Apex magazine. And Michael was my managing editor for that project. Um, so specifically the way that we keep track of things. Mm-hmm. I think uh, is uh, did we jump a question? Uh, we, no, we didn't jump jump okay. a question. This is the question: is how <laughs> yes. do we how do we keep track of all the things that live in our heads? Right. I mean, part of it is that it lives in your head. It doesn't live in mine. My brain literally cannot hold all the things that I need to keep track of. Um, we use a mixture of methods. I think is the best way to put it. So, um, in my day job, I rely on. A grab bag of email inbox, which I know is wrong. Uh, we, we're on Outlook at the day job. So, oh, I'm uh, so sorry. Yeah. So it's a little bit of email inbox and, and folder management and that task list in Outlook. But I also rely on Google Keep for checklists. And I carry around a moleskin professional notebook uh, for meetings and keeping track of things. Um, and I'm in the process right now of trying to rejigger my organizational scheme because um because i'm in this in this new job i've been in this job about a year um i'm in charge of a lot more people and i'm uh, a bigger conduit for information than i used to have to be and there's more information going in more directions uh and so i it's not that i have dropped any balls but i'm terrified of doing so uh, so I'm sort of eyeballing other mechanisms for helping me keep track of my stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I have a colleague who has turned me on to Trello and I'm poking at it slowly without much success yet. Um, but it's mostly a combination of checklists and spreadsheets um, for things like budget information and and post-it notes. And, and, and I feel less organized than I actually am is the short answer. <laughs> I, I tend to be fairly organized, and this is something which, you know, stems from I when when I was young, I was a mess for as far as organization goes, and I was a procrastinator, and things were all over the place, and that was the kind of family I came from. When I started living on my own at seventeen, 
I was working a lot of food service. And in those worlds, I kind of adapted to it was what and adopted uh, how systematic everything is that there are you have to, you know for everything to stay safe and to run on time and to not lose your job, these are the systems you oh, need yeah. to have. Yeah. So like working in kitchens, I started to just get used to these are the five things you need to do to make this happen. This is the time this needs to happen. This emergency thing is now going on. You need to do these five, these seven things. So like my brain just remembers those and I make lists. Um, and then I, when I became Caitlin's caregiver, at that point, kind of what my, my, my mind could no longer hold everything because uh, Caitlin's syndrome, only about 2,000 girls have it in the world. And it is a many of the things in her syndrome are complex and strange and, and just weird. Just yes. we, there's a lot of yeah, just yeah. weird. So this involves going to a lot of pediatric specialists and mm-hmm. they, where they reel off jargon. But I'm also I'm balancing. So Caitlin has at times she's had upwards of seven or eight different doctors working with her. Oof each one with a different aspect of her condition. And I'm the one who has to, and Lynn and I have to kind of remember everything. You're the case manager, yeah. really. We're, I'm case managing Caitlin. So I have to know all the aspects, how they interact with each other. And I have to figure out the insurance stuff and all the permissions and all the supplies. Plus all the, at that point, along with the seven doctors, I was dealing at, I think at the height, I think I had six therapists that Caitlin was working with. Whew. So, and then the medical supply companies and everything. So you end up with this gigantic list every day. So at that point, um, I have old fashioned notebooks, uh, just, and I am really bad about using systems for note keeping. I literally just keep email drafts open in Gmail and just have to do lists. Like I have an email, I have an email draft that has always existed called to do list because I know I can access that almost anywhere. And for me, the way my brain works, all I need is two words, and I remember everything I need out of that. Okay, I'm a little jealous on that one. Yeah, I, I have whiteboards in my office. I have the short-term whiteboard with the actual deadlines written down, and then the longer-term goal whiteboard. But that's also a function of um, being transparent with my staff so that they know and see what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we can make sure that things don't get dropped. Um, but, but for me, if I have some, if I have a note that says, like, call PD. Or, you know, or line edit stories like I will. My brain from those two words can remember everything that. And I'm I'm similar, but I need three to four words. Well, I I can remember like what the seven things are I need to talk to the pediatrician about. Yeah, right. Like I don't necessarily have to write a long list of that. that. That'll stick in my brain. But I do need. Well, it does help to have the reminders. And then also from that, I can prioritize. Also, I li- we both live and die by the Google Calendar, as many people do. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my phone has both my work Outlook calendar and my Google Calendar integrated onto my phone. So if I ever lose my phone, I am utterly hosed. Right. And then we have some Google. Sp- we have shared Google documents and spreadsheets, too, for a lot of things, especially with the editorial work. Yeah. Um, we keep track of all of the uncanny content uh, in yeah. a massive master spreadsheet that has built up over time. And then you have the QuickBooks. And then uh, I use QuickBooks for our accounting software. Um, as, as I was joking on a, a podcast that we recorded the other night, uh, we, we we did an interview with Skiffy and Fanti, and they asked for the advice that that past Lynn wishes she had had. Um, that Question she, five, that current, yeah. yeah current, <laughs> current, Lynn, current Lynn says, buy the, buy the accounting software earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
because the, the difference that it makes in terms of things like dealing with taxes um, oh, yeah, is yeah. is massive in terms of just effort and time spent on getting everybody's 1099s out because it went from something that took me three weekends for hours into something that takes eh, an hour. Um, so, you know, paying for the software and keeping it up to date is totally worth the time I got back for that. So, so yeah, we're, I, I feel very scattered organizationally. And that's, uh, hey, that's fine. You are, you are among friends here and uh, let he who has never been scattered organizationally uh, throw the first notebook. So that, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> a bad one, I'm guessing. Um <laughs> No, we were just drinking. Oh, well, that's that's all right then. Yeah. Not liquor, it's early people. But yeah, yeah. it's just a Coke Zero. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we just got back from Waffle House, so I've got my I've got a fizzy water after loading up on carbs and uh and coffee. So Yeah, that's pretty much been our morning. We were at the farmers market mm-hmm. trying to buy local produce and meat and but it's also um uh Champagne Urbana in Illinois had, thanks to climate alteration is now the south. So which I partially grew up in so that's great but at the same time it's also not great on days like this because it is gosh it's warm and humid let's move on yeah yeah i was gonna say that's okay we apparently we're subtropical down in the south now because it's it's been monsoon season for the last three weeks or last week just nothing but rain every day um yeah no rain but we have but the humid the dew point here has been i think in the 60s it's been yeah it's been in the 90s and 100 percent humidity oh yeah yeah that's so normal at least for us yeah 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 Um, (laughs) Um, so, okay. Oh, back to the questions. Um, <laughs> uh, so through all of this, um, and I know Michael, you said you don't have any specific systems, but, uh, there have to be, you know, I'm sure there are some systems and habits that are valuable to both of you. And, uh, can you, can you talk about those a little bit? Well, part of it, I mean, this is one of the things where Caitlin life kind of dictates everything in, in that the, the habits and systems kind of built around her, because there are certain, you know, Caitlin we, Care is twenty four seven except when she's at school, and mm-hmm. then we live in but we live and die by our routines household wise in terms of keeping Caitlin alive. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 thing that will disrupt us the most um, when things are challenging is the breaking of the routine. So mm-hmm. things like keeping medication and feedings on schedule and. Um, stuff like that but it's all it's all it's, it's all routine it's all very timed though and she's been on you know and it's all you know measured out to certain points at certain times she gets tube fed uh her ketogenic formula at other times she gets her epilepsy medicine and you know and it because that kind of sets up a framework of our day and a way of thinking about the day and caitlin kind of also shifts to how we label what is a crisis and what I mean, it's like Caitlin world kind of put us in mindsets of this is life or death. This is not life or death, but this is how we deal with this. Mm -hmm. And we need to do, and also just realizing that we need to keep ahead of the game on things because Caitlin stuff can become so well, like, like we had to run this Wednesday, we we had an unexpected Mm -hmm. trip. To the hospital and Caitlin's main hospital is three hours away from the house. Yeah. So we constantly have to be working ahead, mm-hmm. knowing that at any moment we could lose two weeks in the hospital. Right. So every so we kind of are always like, even if we don't want to do the dishes right now, we gotta do the dishes. Yeah. Dishes mm-hmm. happen every night after dinner because if they don't happen, then bad things happen. So there's a lot right. of routine maintenance that is built into 
literal daily routines so that we can remain functional the rest of the time but, that we need to be functional. But then in Caitlin pauses, I can look and go, okay, I've got an hour before the next thing for mm-hmm. Caitlin. Let me look at my list. What are things that I can accomplish right now? And for instance, when it comes to traveling as a family, Mm -hmm. we literally have a checklist for packing for Caitlin so that we don't uh, forget important equipment. Um, And that is something that grew out of, you know, a mission critical failure where we forgot something important and had to drive two and a half hours back to get it. So, um, so yeah, part of it is learning from our mistakes and Mm -hmm. putting and figuring out, oh, we need to institute a system for that because clearly just remembering it is not sufficient anymore. But it's also Mm -hmm. turned me into a zero inbox person. Yay. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I I am not a zero inbox person. I'm that person that leaves the emails unread until they are dealt with. But you are more of a unread 25 email person. Yes. Yeah. I try to keep it to a dull roar. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a boss at my last job, or a, a, a director at my last job. His inbox was always like twelve thousand, um, not because it needed to be that way, but because he just never he he never removed things from the inbox. Red was mm-hmm. the was the I'm done with this state, and so it just or maybe it was only twelve hundred. I, I, all I remember is that his inbox was his lexicon. He didn't file or folder anything. It yeah. was just search for the specific email. And, I'm still yeah. working through that. Um, my current inbox at the day job has about 3,000 emails in it. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, and I've been, and you know, most of them are read, and uh, a portion of them are filed, uh, mm-hmm. and a portion of them are not. And I, I leave email triage as a um, thing on my checklist to try to, I try to like once a month, you know, I try to periodically go through and just sort 50 emails, sort mm-hmm. 50 emails. Mm-hmm. Um, but the volume of email that I get <laughs> oh, yeah. means mm. that, that some of the time it's really hard to clear out the generalist stuff that I don't necessarily need to keep forever, but I need to keep for now. We yeah, will, I have. Yeah, I, I need to introduce you to SaneBox, I think. <laughs> um, okay. Which is, which is a service I've been using, and uh, it's just like, yes, we analyze things as they come in, and we file them for you. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, huh? Does it work with Outlook? It works with anything that has that that it can talk to. Okay. So it isn't a Gmail specific. It is Outlook. It is private email servers. It's Gmail. It's Yahoo. Mm-hmm. It's basically if it's an IMAP account, it can do it. Okay. Awesome. I mean, yeah. So I get an email. I try to respond to it as quickly as possible. I, I do not like an email sitting there for more than a day. And then once I am done with it, I, then if I feel it's something that needs to be say, I mean, I don't really trash a lot of email, but I, if I do feel that it has signi- a certain kind of significance, I then, then chuck it into the folders it needs to be in right away. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with my stuff, too, is the the emails I know I need to retain go into folders that are set to actually properly archive. Yes. The stuff that is just sitting in my inbox read um, gets sent to the auto archive periodically through the magic of Outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, and those emails oh. die after like well, six you've months. Got, you've got the Gmail accounts, too. Yeah, but the Gmail, I'm not talking about the Gmail accounts. Those are forever. <laughs> <laughs> those are forever and i have not sorted them because i just don't have the time no. and and i don't even know how many red emails you, i have in my gmail account at this point uh, enough that we had to just up up this yeah we just upped the storage that's what we did <laughs> oh I, wow okay yeah. yeah archivist heal thyself that's me well there's a lot of i mean this is the thing when you're a publisher is that there's a lot of flipping back and forth of, of like pdfs and things like that so mm-hmm. so after after 12 years or whatever it's been on gmail lynn finally hit that hit the yeah. hit 
the what, hit 10 the gig limit. Yep. yep. Wow. She did. I I'm did. Impressed. Yeah. 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 I'm very proud of myself. Not. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's. But there is kind yeah. of that. I'm, I'm moving towards a better inbox organization system, but it's really slow progress. But we do know where everything. I mean, I, I mean, it's very rare that we lose a thing or that something falls in, in between the cracks. I mean, so it's we are organized enough that there have been very f- one of the things that drives me up a wall and then Lynn laughs about it is um, preventable emergencies are the things that drive me up a wall because we have so many oh, yeah. unpreventable ones in our lives. Like for us, a lot of the organization is about we we need to get we don't want to create problems when we could have solved them before, you know, you know, because we're going to get hit by some kind of emergency because whether it's a Caitlin emergency or just life stuff like a car breaks down, whatever, you know, that that we we know the we know the problems are coming. We'd like to not create more inadvertently. Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't want to ever be in that. So like I am someone like who tries very hard to stay ahead of us. We stay, we stay ahead of everything, keep track of what everything is. And if like, if something's not going to get done right away, we try to, we are very big on communicating with everybody as much as we can. So like, for instance, if something's late for a deadline, we try to tell the person before the deadline, like this is running late. Here's what's, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're big. We're both big on managing expectations. Yeah. So right, it's the, right. well, this is not going to get done today, but I know I can have it done by Wednesday. And that's, and that's an important thing, I think, in publishing, yeah. in corporate life, in, in, uh, that I think is often overlooked is mm-hmm. uh, either you don't manage the expectations or um, one of the things I had in, at my last job was uh, the expectations would change midway through and maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't effectively communicated. Yep. We, we've had some of those jobs. Yeah. 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 I've been on those committees. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had that in publishing too, yeah. where things are suddenly like, oh, okay. <laughs> we will completely readjust everything then if that's the arbitrary decision you made this afternoon. Uh, oh, you're changing it back tonight. Okay. <laughs> uh, at least there's there's not the necessary well, maybe there is necessarily the the um the psychic aspect to it in that um you missed a meeting and this decision change was made in the meeting but because everyone was in the meeting there's no need to send out notes and you're expected to know that it changed yeah. without actually being in the in the meeting mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i'm in academia this is very familiar and um and in my other, and in the other world like that is continuously the world of insurance com- medical insurance companies oh i bet yeah where they change the rules hourly. And there have been times where I've, we've had to go, I've been in major fights because they changed rules, didn't tell us. And then suddenly sent us bills for like $10,000 that we didn't really owe because they changed the rule without telling us. Right. And they're supposed to notify you of rule changes and all that stuff, especially around billing, because if they don't, then they can find themselves on the wrong end of a lawsuit, even though they have really deep pockets. So yeah, that's that yeah. was that was that was a fun summer. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I I remember just the um the week of uh, food delivery problems. Uh, I want to say last summer, mm-hmm. um, when I we, it was like a daily Twitter update of has Caitlin's formula arrived, and I'm watching to make sure you know like how can there's nothing I can do to help except watch and um, mm-hmm. if you'll pardon the phrasing, thoughts and prayers, right? Yeah. No, it, it can be, and it's and I can be on the phone all day, and so, and that was 
uh, and I'm being, I have to go back to the bad company now because our formulary changed for insurance again. So we will see what bad company does this time and how bad Lord. the, that is actually my next week is mm-hmm. I am going to be on the phone hoping that everything gets settled before Worldcon because I just got told again, the formula, you know, we have to go and this thing is it. It's it's two divisions in the same company, but they treat each other as different companies with different right, rules, right. and they don't communicate to each other correctly. And yeah, that will be which gets back to the organization is you know and that, you know when when I'm going through a process like that, I have to stay completely on top of everything and have all the information at hand. And you know, and, and I have notebooks filled with whenever I'm in a crisis like this of who did I talk to, what is their name, what is their extension, mm-hmm. what did they tell me. And, you know, what were the things they said I needed to do? I do those things. And then it's like, so, okay, it didn't happen. Now, who do I go back? Okay, I can go back to this person. I have their name. And a lot of it is I will be on the phone all day bouncing around to until I find the person who has the power to make the thing actually happen. Right. But. And now you've got a notebook that says, okay, if this seems to be going wrong again, call that person. Yes. Yes. Which, luckily, I saved those notes (laughs) as that will be my next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow. That's there's there. Yeah. There really is a lot going on and it's, it's, I think it may be good that, that you and Lynn are, are together and have been together for so long because someday she's going to need to archive and organize your entire set of notebooks for historical purposes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's right there. She already has the skills to, uh, to manage that when the, when it's time to, uh, build the collection for for uh, posterity's sake um, actually we 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 donated our archive to northern illinois university where lynn had built the science fiction archive with 75 <laughs> authors and the papers of sifwa so yes. um we, but, but we we begin with the science fiction stuff specifically so but, so right now it's only that side of our lives that is being archived but right. it means that some poor person who's inherited our our papers <laughs> 20 years from now, we'll, we'll have to go through all of my scribbles and figure out because right. the notebooks are all mis, you know, there'll be things from my failed writing career, things from the editing, things from podcasts, things from Caitlin. Oftentimes these are, they bleed into different notebooks because I, I still use the high school college lined spiral notebooks for everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which the, reminds me it's back to school season. I should probably pick you up some more. Yes. Oh yeah, no, I stopped at Staples yesterday on my way home and lost half an hour. Mm. I, I went in to get one thing and then I'm like, oh, but look at all the markers. I don't need more markers. I don't need more markers. Uh, <laughs> and you I always need more markers. Uh, well, that's true, but uh, I think we're, we're approaching marker uh, singularity in my <laughs> office and I really don't want them to collapse and form the black hole that is the, the gravitational pull that sucks all the art supplies into it. Ursula will be very, very unhappy. Well, we have some gremlin in our house that is taking socks and pens. So I do feel like I need to buy more pens. Yeah. Well, regular, just regular writing pens. It's useful to have on hand all the time. Uh, Ursula's like, I need something to sign with. I'm like, here's my pen. She's like, that's one of those crappy fountain pens. Give me a real pen. Here's here's a Frisian ballpoint. She's like, yes, this is a real pen. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> See, I'm slightly spoiled. I was slightly spoiled. Plus, like, I have like this non-fancy way of because I used to work at uh, for uh, in the corporate headquarters of Bic. So, oh, we would just get piles and piles of pens and yeah. markers and everything, you know. And I would, so I, I I miss just having piles. Just here, take a box. Yeah. You know. 
Man, all right. That would be so. I would my would be wallpapered. Like I would. There would be desks built out of out of big pen boxes at my house. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. <laughs> so now that we've got all of that, uh, how do you decide what to do first? Or is What's that all part of the routine? Yeah. <laughs> um. What's the deadline? Is the big question for me. That's how I decide what to do mm. first. Um. When I'm mul- when I have multiple things with similar deadlines that are reasonably far away like within a two week period or whatever, as opposed to that has to be done by tomorrow. Um, If I'm working piecemeal on things, I move back and forth between two things. When I get bored with one, I switch to the other. Okay. I do a lot of progress through procrastination. So when I get bored or frustrated with one, like when, when I'm, when I'm bored with my annual report, I move on to the brochure text and I bounce back and forth between the two until I get them done. And, And now we have to pause briefly because Ernie has just made it known that I believe he needs to go outside. Okay. I, could, I could hear that. Yes. Yeah, I, everyone could hear that. I think the you could they could hear it in South Carolina from here. Um, so let me go deal with that, and then we will continue, and we'll probably no worries. I'll cut the gap out. <laughs> oh. oh, Ernie! Hey, buddy! Hey, buddy! You need to go outside. Everything okay? and i know it was the outside bark because he wasn't just whining 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 that was a very very sharp bark i have something that needs to be done right now and uh and (laughs) if you don't the laminate floor in the other room is going to be well we don't want anything more to happen to it now do we yeah yeah had those mornings (laughs) (laughs) okay so start so i should just start where answering the question uh, I guess wherever we we left off with uh, so so Lynn had was all around um, what the deadline is and creative procrastination yeah. on um, deciding what to do first. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So for for the way I make a decision, because I'll do a to do list and then I will go down. Base, you know, first of all, um, so as people are probably figuring out now, um, Ed, since I am the at home person, my list are essentially braided between Caitlin stuff and editorial stuff. And I have to take care of all the editorials. I mean, essentially at this point, what would you say I do out of our partnership for uncanny, the percentage you're doing at least 75% of the work, right? So I, I do, the, I do the money and the money and the, and the ebook <laughs> production The the, my two major jobs on uncanny, um, are the money in the ebook production? Uh, but a lot, a lot of the keeping things organized for uncanny and stuff. So it's so, but I, I you do I, all the chasing. But a lot of it is I start at the top, which you know, what is life and death, Caitlin stuff. Like right. the formula, for instance, as we were talking earlier, that's going to come first, and then I will look at okay, now I've got a gap while I'm waiting for someone to call me back. What can I do in this hour, which usually involves the low hanging fruit of chasing people down organizing stuff, making sure this is all done, you know, and a lot of it is just, is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Because I know that for an issue to be made, there's these 800 tasks that have to happen. Which I'm starting mm-hmm. to have to write down for my end of it, but he doesn't seem to have to because he can hold them in his head. But yeah, so I, w- I will go down that and then it's a matter of, much like Lynn, it's deadline. Mm-hmm. Where are we in the process of the deadline and how much time will this take and how much brain do I need for it? 
So there are certain tasks, like if I'm in the middle of Caitlin land where there's medical stuff going on, I probably can only do emails and promotion stuff because mm-hmm. I also do all the social media and a lot of the promotion and marketing for Uncanny. But like something like, say, structural line edits that I kind of that may take a little bit longer or, or reading submit, you know, things that I need to actually focus on. Then I kind of need the non-crisis moment where I know, OK, I've got a stretch of quiet. I can just focus on that. Yeah. And I'm doing similar things in the day job where I'm starting to block off periods of time in order to do focused work because day to day I have a metric ton of meetings and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an open door manager. Um, So it's a lot of interruptions if I'm not actively making a space where there won't be interruptions. Right. right. Um, And it's fine. I'm generally okay with being interrupted, but when I need to like, when I need to sit down and select things for the next exhibit, which involves spending, you know, three hours working directly with the books and not being interrupted, I need to actually put that on my calendar as time. I am not available to other humans because otherwise people will come and find me. Right. Yeah. That's, um, and uh, you know, I'm a system administrator, which means when I had an office, when I when I worked in an office, there was a lot of that interruption of okay, I've, I'm trying to do maybe not delicate but complicated thing for a new deployment mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. and then hey, we've got a customer problem. Can you look at it right now? And it's very difficult when they're standing over you physically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. When I when I worked corporate too, um, at that point we were in cubes, but they were open cubicles, and we were all sort of. I mean, so you had your own office, but you didn't, and you mm-hmm. could hear the personal calls of three people down, and you know it was distracting. And yeah, and people would just kind of wander around cube to cube board sometimes, and they'd be like, "I, you know, I'm trying to do the thing. I have to focus on the thing because you know at that point I was working corporate finance, and it was often dealing with lots and lots of financial information and trying right. to keep that straight." Yeah, and also there's, I mean, when you're dealing with the corporation's financial, there's maybe not as big a a, a stress on it, but there's also the confidentiality that goes around mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. financials. Like uh, my last job, of course, there was a, um, we dealt in corporate financials, as it were. And mm-hmm. so, you know, each customer's data was sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and you couldn't have that sort of information leak the way if it's just like, oh, yeah, it's you're a big employee and we're talking about um, other than the insider trading things, you know, we're talking about how much money went to the ink supplier this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that was exactly what I would know. <laughs> In fact, that was one of my accounts was being the ink suppliers. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah, that so I, yeah, mm-hmm. funny you should say that. I knew exactly that. But there was, we also had the other issue in that the way Bic was at that point, um, Schick is down the road. So, like, there is always kind of a certain kind of fear of, there's a lot of NDA stuff, especially with the R&D. Yes. So you would get that kind of information where it's like, you have to be careful about what kind of new pen you know, we're developing a new gel pen. We can't, you know, or a new kind of razor or something. You know, we can't. This let one will have twenty five blades. Yeah, yeah, yes. But with Schick down the road being a major competitor, like the major yeah. competitor, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's like literally so. Like, but employees would flip back and forth. You know, you know, they're always trying to poach employees, so it's vice versa. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds almost like um, I want to say Amazon. Microsoft and I think Facebook in Seattle, the three mm-hmm. of them are just constantly trading employees. Yeah. Yeah. So. Until you, you have this pile of NDAs in your life. Yeah. Well, I worked there two years ago, so 
I can talk about that, except not at this job, which was in the year <laughs> in between. And yeah, no, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we've already touched on this one a little bit. Um, other than buy the financial software early, uh, what is the best advice uh, or feedback uh, you've been given? That's been given. Yes. Well, uh, the best the best feedback I've been gi- I was given in it in the new day job um, mm-hmm. was that my my immediate boss made it very clear to me that I was within my rights and expected to ask stupid questions my first year. Because it, it because he was very clear that I'm learning a new organization, I'm learning a new set of systems. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of shorthand I'm already very familiar with because I've been a state employee in the state in the same state system for a long time. Right. But I'm in a new organization within the state system, so it's the thing of I know there's probably a form I have to fill out to accomplish X task, but I need to find out who the person is that can point me to the right form to fill out within this organization to complete that task. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm I'm coming up to the end of my year of stupid questions, which is a little scary, honestly. I I think for me the best stuff came from some of the other. Um... Acardi families and special needs families we met in our first couple years where it was learning that when you navigate systems to stay patient and stay calm and to ju- and keep track of everything, which I was doing, but also just mm-hmm. stay patient and calm. Eventually, you will probably get find someone who can solve your problem, but you need to just kind of work your way through it because a lot of times the world is set up to discourage you from going to the next step and you get angry or the thing is if you not, not that I'm a yeller at people anyway, but if you, if you, if you get frustrated or lose your temper or walk away, it's done, you know? Right. So a lot of it is, and then that creates all these other problems that then have to be dealt with. And I think, and this is kind of the thing, managing, being patient, using the system, it's in a systematic manner and, you know, and being patient that you can, follow the steps and even if the steps keep changing on you that you will eventually get to that solution and once you solve that problem that gives you then the space to solve new problems that come because if the problem remains unsolved not only does that it it tends to become larger and then have a domino effect on other things in your life right yeah so i think our pay it forward lesson learned is don't make things harder on yourself yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely and and I think all of that is stuff that uh, I love the idea of you're expected to ask stupid questions the first year. That's uh, I, I don't think anybody going into a job, going into a new situation, um, it it can be very daunting. And if that expectation is set, at least you're not mm-hmm. afraid to ask what you feel is a stupid question. Yes. And the other part of it, too, is that... Um one of the things that that I've noticed and and you know has it's come out of my one-on-one discussions with my boss is that sometimes they sometimes when you're new to an organization the folks who've been in the organization for a while who have been pushing for different kinds of change within the organization want you to ask those stupid questions because it forces people who have been in a specific framework to explain very simply their method of thinking mm-hmm. right and it may force them to reevaluate their method of working as a result of having to explain it to you. 
Um, there have been a couple of scenarios in the day job already where I've had a meeting with one person and a meeting with another person, and it was about two different aspects of the same thing, but it never occurred to them that we should all meet together to talk through the entire process. And because I was in my first year, I could literally say, you know what, I'm not really grasping how this workflow works from end to end. What I have is one person saying, well, I do this part and it's great, but that stuff over there is not working. And another person saying the same thing in the opposite direction. And a third person being like, none of those things work, but what I'm doing works. And because I said, I need to understand the whole of this process, I was able to force all of those folks to sit down together in a meeting. Oh, and, wow, yeah. And, and that meant because they had to explain their process to me and the other folks who were there explaining their parts of the process learned about each other's parts mm -hmm. of the process. And suddenly a lot of things that had been bottlenecks or roadblocks for reasons um, got <laughs> unstuck. How, how delicately you, you phrased that. Reasons. I'm in academia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this has been the case, too, with Uncanny. Sometimes it's been great. I mean, because Mitchie does a tremendous amount of work. And Mitchie also does a, a, a large amount of the organization of her ends of stuff that she right, does. Right. Uh, but every time we've been bringing in new people, especially now that we have an editorial intern uh, with, with Shimi, that it's kind of been interesting because, yeah, we do have to re-explain things. And, you know, and there are times you're like, oh, you know, you have that moment of I'll just do it. You, you, you want to just do it yourself. Because it's like, okay, I'll, I'll be quicker that way. But then you realize if you explain to them, not only do they take that work from you, but there are the times where they ask those questions mm -hmm. and you have to reevaluate and you reevaluate your systems and processes. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, I guess we have been doing that a little bit more complicated than we should. That I guess things have changed on the <laughs> internet and we can simply streamline this thing or that thing. Yeah, right. it turns out there's a better tool for that we were not aware of. Yeah. So like that's Lynn's, been the show for me, yeah. Yeah. Like Lynn's bane of her existence with Uncanny is ebook production. And oh. every so often, you know, she will ask questions, find the right person, and finally be given a better tool to do something in the fifty different types of ebooks that must be created. Yeah. Right. Uh, it it's yeah. No, no, I, I watch every time Ursula is doing one of her T. Kingfisher self published works, I <laughs> I I <laughs> I just, she's like, well, it's time to make the ebook. And I'm like, maybe I should just work from a coffee shop for the next three weeks because there's going to be <laughs> swearing and tears yep. and throwing of things. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. It, it's it, um, ebook production is, is one of those periods of time in the life cycle of Uncanny Magazine issues where it's important actually from like I come down and work in the Doctor Who room on that now mm -hmm. because, right. because that way I am not distracted by the television and caitlin and michael being around mm -hmm. and they are and they are not distracted by my swearing <laughs> but that is another thing that we uh lynn we we greatly benefited from from also friends who have helped yeah where they will let us ask stupid questions because they've been making ebooks forever yeah john joseph adams has been invaluable in answering a lot of my incredibly stupid questions about ebook e production particularly in the beginning where like i would he would he he spent time walking me through processes like doing he has screen a video he, he has yeah there's <laughs> like he made a screenshot video like a screen walkthrough video for me to walk me through well actually he made it for his staff already yeah, yeah. but i mean he he's done all he especially when we were first getting started um, he, he did, you know, he did a Herculean amount of work to, to help get me up to speed. And, you know, I'm not like afraid of code or anything. And I have, you know, I, I learned how to, how to write my HTML in 1997 with the best of them, but, um, working with XML document types, uh, you know, I had some catching up to do mm -hmm. and, 
um, doing, you know, registry editing and things like that. Just but, it, it took a little while. But it's always, yeah. yeah, it's always the discoveries, though, you know, yeah. especially when we are doing something ambitious with, say, like graphic content along with the words. Uh, you can't oh. see me rolling my eyes. But they're so far back in my head. I look like Kristen I, Ritter. At this I'm, point. I'm actually I'm actually rolling my eyes as well, because I've I've had to I've, I've helped Ursula with getting yeah. graphic content in or. Yeah. Ebook, know, yeah. ebook, ebook. Ebook document types are not designed for anything artistic to happen ever. Like they're so there's they're so designed for with all due respect to engineers, plain text for engineering books. And if you want to do anything interesting with images or typography, you gotta even learn, you gotta learn about or it. layout, it, mm-hmm. it's just really onerous and it's very frustrating because there are a lot of really cool artistic things you can do with layout and oh, typography yeah, yeah. except that they don't work very well in ebook formats because the because it, the the document type's not built for that no no it's it's oh. it's built around the idea of here is a wall of text yes exactly yeah, yeah. it's it's built i think very specifically around the the novel format not the magazine format yeah. Yes. Well, it's it's really built for engineering manuals, except well, without, not, ex- but without. but or it's like it makes me think of the O'Reilly books. It's built for like that kind of stuff. Well, yes, and we can we can go into a whole a whole yeah. other <laughs> rant about even on the engineering side about document types and document yep. formatting, because yeah. even even on the technical book side of things, which I am a reader and the occasional writer of. Um, or at least I've written and contributed to different tech things. Um, uh, the, the document format is very precise and designed around, mm-hmm. uh, specific use cases and or publishers. Yeah. So absolutely. You know, O'Reilly yep. does it in one format, but if you're writing it for like an open source project, that's going to go on, on uh, GitHub or GitLab, mm-hmm. it's all marked down. Yep. And then, you know, there's the org format that a lot of developers like, at least the ones who use Emacs. And no, there's a, a whole cascading <laughs> thing around it. Um, yeah. It's great fun. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is, which gets back to if you don't ask questions from other people. Yeah. You're oh, just yeah. going to be lost in the, in the weeds. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the smartest thing you can do is to ask a stupid question. Oh, I love that phrasing. Um, now now I, I also know what to put on the badge this time. I, I I mean, I could. I was thinking about putting space unicorns on the badge, but I, I don't know. You could, stupid, you could, stupid we could just question. have it be space unicorns ask stupid questions. Yeah, it's, it's hard to fit that in the little banner section of the badges. Yeah, that's true. That, that's but true. But ask stupid questions would work. Yes. Yeah, because I, uh, I think space unicorn is just going to be the title of the episode. Ah. Um. Like- all right okay so (laughs) there's all that um do you want now we've got the last two do you want the hard one or the fun one first let's do the hard first let's get that out of the way all right um how do you deal with failure when you miss a goal that's actually easy for me i fail all the time i fail all the time Mm -hmm. um in part because, professionally speaking, a large part of what I do is supposed to be risk-taking. Um, what I do when I fail is that I, A, I try to set myself up so that the if it's, a you know, it that I'm only taking calculated risks, not stupid risks. Mm-hmm. So the consequences of failure are not going to be catastrophic. Right. 
um, either, you know, financially or organizationally. They're designed not to be. So I, I, I'm careful about the risks I'm taking in the first place. But when I fail, the biggest thing is to figure out why it failed and what I can learn from it for the next time when I try again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I'm this. I mean, I will. When I fail, I tend to. I mean, I for a while I'll be mad at myself. I'll be upset. I will have to be off and and mope for ten minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. half a day. But then, yeah, I, I mean, get you know, pick myself up, dust myself off, and start all over again is pretty much how this works. It's you know, it it's okay. What did what happened? Why did it fail? And, and you know, you know, make sure that if it is something that I fucked up, that and especially if I fucked it up for other people, that I apologize right away and mm-hmm. sincerely, mm-hmm. and then move and then try to figure out what did I do wrong and how can I, what can we do to make sure that does not happen again? Yeah, and yeah. it's always about making amends where you can and apologizing, mm-hmm. and then learning from the mistake is really the biggest thing because and- if you didn't learn from the mistake, then you're going to repeat it. And sometimes for us, it is hard to shift our perspectives a little bit because, yeah, some of our mistakes, you make a mistake in Caitlin care. Sometimes it is life or death stuff. You know, she can be hurt. So I put a lot of pressure on myself to get everything right the first time, which means I tend to be, you know, a measure twice, cut once kind of person. But simultaneously no matter how much prep you do especially with something like artistically like uncanny you're where you are taking risks and stuff sometimes things you just you just make mistakes you misjudge a thing a thing is not done correctly you know whatever you know there's constantly you know like aslan was complaining about the ebooks you know Mm -hmm. she'll go through all of that and then there'll still be a mistake that slips through and then suddenly someone is emailing and she'll and i'll have to go back and do it a third time yeah yeah right yeah and, you know, and you do it and you try to remember, OK, this is what we did wrong this time. We try not to make that mistake. A lot of how like for us, like the failure and, and succeeding, like we, we really think about this as as living in, 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 in you know, is the princess bride scene, you know, <laughs> where it's like, you know, figuring out, OK, that's when the fire comes up and that's the that's you know now i don't even be, we we do believe in rodents of unusual size now <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know that's the thing it, it's kind of like okay these are the things that are going to happen all the time and you know you're gonna maybe we will fail at first and get burnt or whatever but once we learn and we we incorporate that then hopefully we can can survive in this to sometimes. make new mistakes <laughs> to make right. the new mistakes yeah and and that was something that um uh, we've been talking about, I guess, on and off for the last two episodes, mm-hmm. um, maybe three, is that that whole balance of is is this a life or death mistake, yeah. right? And while most of us can look at it and go, no, it's not life or death. So there's nothing to, you know, it it that kind of helps set expectations of of yourself or when somebody's got an interruption of, Hey, is this, you know, is this a life or death thing that I need to address right this second or else for, Mm -hmm. I would say 99% of us, that is almost never the case unless you happen to be in healthcare or, you know, at home care for Mm -hmm. a, a person. So you do have, you definitely have that different perspective of, okay, if this doesn't get done, if I mess this up, there are, real true serious consequences not just uh the company lost money or our deadlines are put off yeah 
But, you know, part of it is, though, we have to shift because we are still in the customer. You know, we're, we're in an arts industry, mm-hmm. but we are also, you know, in the customer service industry. Right, right. So we have to, even if in our brain, you know, we, we can say, okay, this thing was not a life or death thing. It's not, you know, someone who has purchased an incorrect ebook to, you know, there's sometimes they are going to send emails which are not going to make us happy. No. And sometimes your instinct may be to go, look, person, this is just an ebook. We will fix this. You know, calm down, please. Um, this is not life or death. But we realize to them this is important. You know, right. it's very important to them. And we want to make sure that they have the best experience possible. So a lot of it is also shifting and understanding that, you know, we can't, you know, internally and in our household we have to be able to separate what's life and death and what's not and be and be chill about certain mistakes but understanding that some mistakes are going to sometimes get what we think of from our points of view as reactions that are larger than they should be but from that person's point of view it's not and it's you know and we have to you know and and this gets back to you know starting in the food service industry because there's a lot of things like that in food service where you know like and in kitchens, we will often get, you know, when things get sent back, when we know we're right and they just have bad taste, <laughs> you know, you do have that moment of anger. It's like you clearly do not understand how steaks are cooked. Per se. You, you cannot walk out there and yell at them. Right. You know, you know, it's like, no, we have to in our own space. We we get that out of our system and then we do it as the customer wishes it to be done. You know, and again, sometimes it is our fault. And you, you know, and sometimes it is not. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's how businesses work, mm-hmm. you know, and, but you try your best to once again, learn and, you know, cope with it in the most appropriate way possible. And generally, you know, one of the, th- one of the things that we're, we're both very conscious of is that, um, it is important to treat people pleasantly with kindness whenever right. possible. Yes. Like the, yeah. the, that has to be the default in all cases. And, and even if you get an email that, that, you know, Internally, you're screaming with frustration or whatever for something, <laughs> you know, for something that is is a an issue, but not actually a level of life and death issue from our metric, right? right. But it's something that needs to be fixed. Um, you know, the the interaction that we have with the person that sent the email has to be utterly professional because that's part of the job. And also, and a part of it is that like. My life, I try very hard for the crisis, whatever crisis is going on with Caitlin or other things, to not bleed over into professional spheres and other places. Or, you know, I don't want people to get, I try very hard not to get splash damage. And I think I don't know that person who's just sent me that email, how, I don't know what their life is like. For all I know, they are having that reaction because they themselves are in some kind of thing, you know, and I don't know. And so, like, that is why defaulting to kindness is something we try very hard to do. Right, because right yeah yeah their life could be very very hard and i don't know i don't know about their life mm-hmm. all right um wow that's dropping some wisdom there <laughs> um so we'll try to be less why on the next question well the next the next question is the fun one and that is how if if you celebrate your success um how do you celebrate if you don't celebrate your success why not <laughs> that's actually the harder question. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the harder question because we're we're actually quite bad at celebrating our successes, honestly. Well, so many of us are. Well, it's like this week. This week, oh, last week, for instance, um, a wonderful thing happened in that we are finalists for a World Fantasy Award, which is which is great. Yay, congratulations! Ha- yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that w- but it was announced 
one hour before we were launching the Kickstarter, when we were in full panic mode of making sure we all, all the ducks were in a row. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little little problem there, yeah. So, like, we didn't really take that opportunity to be happy about it because we were so plunged in crisis. Plus, I was had Caitlin doctor appointments, you know, for this week, you know, uh, scheduling. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, but we forced ourselves to go out to eat on Friday, the yeah. Friday, you know, and just mm-hmm. go, okay, we are not working for two hours. We're going to go out and have a nice dinner and celebrate the fact that we were nominated for this this award, and that is lovely. Yes. Because it is prestigious. It is wonderful. The other finalists are great. So, yeah, we can be really crap. At doing yeah. <laughs> we're really bad at it. Um, there, there, is, there is still, actually, in our fridge, a, a lovely bottle of champagne that our literary agent sent us when we were nominated for the Hugo several months ago that we still say- haven't. Which yeah. Hugo? This year's. <laughs> this year's for the magazine. Uh, okay. well, well, no, we are up for two. Yeah, we're up for two. He sent yeah. it for. He sent it for best editor short form, I think, and and best semi pro scene. So, but Lynn is also nominated. For I'm also nominated for very for Verity in best fan cast. Um, yes. But he sent us a lovely bottle of champagne. It's still in our fridge. We have yet to open it. Uh, see, I was I was expecting you to say from last year's nomination or the year before's nomination. <laughs> no, no. Although, in fairness, when we bought our first house. Um, as, as a great example of how bad we are at celebrating things, when we bought our first house uh, back in DeKalb, Michael's mom gave us a bottle of champagne and it sat in the back of our fridge and we finally got rid of it when we sold the house 13 years later. <laughs> yeah, okay, we, yeah. Yeah. Taking taking that moment to relax and, and kind of bask. I mean, one of the nice things about when we go to the conventions for a, like an award ceremony, when we have won awards there, mm-hmm. is that. They kind of force you to celebrate, which is right. good for us. So, like, you know, which, yeah, yeah, because I think, yeah, Lynn has won the same night he mm-hmm. first has. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, you get to go to the parties and you have the, you carry it around with you and people run up to you and go, you want a Hugo. And and then you do have that moment of being able to be happy for, okay, we we, we did a thing and it was good. We did a thing. Yes. It was good. And it was recognized with by people, which, you know, we, we do it. We don't need that. But it's a, it is a wonderful honor to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Ursula know. keeps saying that uh, every time the, the nominations come out and I'm like, are you on it this year? Or when we hear she's like, you know, I really don't need the buff doesn't stack. <laughs> no. And I'm like, I know that. And maybe you know that. But your editor doesn't know that the fans mm-hmm. certainly do not believe that. And I'm more than happy about that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, uh, but yeah, she, I think, I think we're getting a little more, uh, blase about celebrating, uh, nominations these days because, uh, not, not that there's that, that we are not grateful and I'm, right. I'm backpedaling really quick about that. Aren't oh, I? no, no. no Cause we, we understand, we understand, yeah. but we also know how it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. It, trying to articulate it. Yeah. It's, it's the, after, after point, it's like, you know, maybe, maybe give somebody else a, a shot. Um, I know that like Scalzi and uh, Neil Gaiman and several others have been like, you know, don't nominate me for for a year. It's it's lovely and thank you all, but let's you know, let's share the love. I think is that is that I I guess that's how. Well, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of I mean, there's a lot of conflicting thoughts about yeah. it and, and and how how one feels. But I mean, there's a, there's a lot of feel because because part of it is it's for you, but it is also a way for your peers or fans to celebrate your work and that's great but you also want to see other great works held up mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so yeah i mean 
yeah, I've, I've, you know, it's it's a thing that I think everyone had. Well, we did that with the SF. Lynn, Lynn did that with SF Squeecast, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did. Where um, it was, it won the first two fan casts, and um, and for those who may not remember, because now I guess it's been a while. Uh, oh yeah. SF yeah. SF Squeecast was was Lynn and Paul Cornell, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Bear, Shauna McGuire, and Catherine M. Valenti. Yes. And that was one of those things where they real, you know, they were mm-hmm. putting out a very good product. People loved it, but they also realized that they'd won the first two best fan casts, and they did not want to be in that position where they're winning every year. Uh, and uh, Phil Folio, Phil and Kaya Folio, yeah. did mm-hmm. it famously with um, with Girl Genius, for which yep. we are eternally grateful because the third winner of best graphic right. novel was Digger. <laughs> yes. Um, and I still like to remind people that Digger, as far as I am aware, is the was the first independent female writer creator graphic story winner, and I think maybe even the only one to date. Maybe, yeah. You know? I, I so, think that is that is true. Yeah, but, so. yeah, and I and I remember the audio. I mean, that was a you know because we were there. This I, that, then that oh, was yeah, actually yeah. the night. In fact, that was on stage. That I think it was that same night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, I, that, I remember that, watching all y'all get up there. Yeah. Yeah, that Lynn made the that the announcement was made that, that, that they were recusing after that point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there are points that you do that, and there are other points where it's like, you know, like for instance, right now, Lynn and I have never won a Hugo for best editor short form, which would, you know, which was like for us a, a tremendous honor to be a finalist with those other editors. Oh yeah, know? no, yeah. So yeah, and that's still a buzz when you get those things. So it's, and then you celebrate it. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing quite like your first ever again, like your first oh, nomination. Yeah. And that that's a great buzz. Mm-hmm. It's a great buzz. The first win is a great buzz, and you know everything afterward is great too. And we celebrate. So, yeah. a lot of it is remember. As I said, for me, it's remembering. It's okay. It's okay to stop and breathe. Look what you've accomplished. Be proud and happy of that. What you've accomplished is there. And in our case, in an artistic industry, you know, with with fan with readers, and you know, it's also good to see that people still like what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, it, and, it's, just, and, and drink that in for a moment and remember that. Yeah. You know? Sometimes yeah. it's very easy when you get caught up in all of the to-do lists and the deadlines mm-hmm. to – to it, it's very easy to lose track of the people that you directly affect by the art that you produce. Yeah. And yeah. so I think for us, one of the things that we sometimes struggle with because, you know, we function – in the deadlines and the and the checklists and the getting things getting things done in a timely fashion like we function at a very high level with that stuff as evidenced by how productive we are but at the same time we don't always do as good a job of taking in the fact that the art that we produce matters to people and i think that's something that we both have to work at more yeah, yeah. of understanding that and accepting that and mm-hmm. being okay with accepting that um <laughs> because we both are we both are the kind of people who never think that we're good enough and that someone and you know i i deal with the imposter syndrome thing quite regularly where i'm convinced that someone's going to figure out that i don't know what i'm doing any minute now um i thought it was obvious even, i don't know what i'm doing yeah, yeah. you know i i, I, I they well, keep they keep letting me do things and i'm just like are you sure so the more people you know around in your industry the more you find out everybody everybody feels that way right everybody does i mean and and in all honesty what i'm realizing as i am more seasoned as a professional librarian in particular is that the times when i feel that way are very specifically the times when i'm in the middle of a big learning curve or i'm about to make a big um not discovery necessarily like you know eureka science discovery but i'm about to make a big shift or a big 
pivot or a big level up in my skill in some area. Those are the moments where I'm like, oh, God, I'm such a fraud. They're going to figure it out. Um, it's because I'm working at something that's actually quite difficult for me and I'm I'm getting I'm moving in the correct direction um, to achieve something new for me. Um, when I'm like, yeah, I got this. That's when I'm likelier to hose things up because I, I get overconfident. <laughs> Tell me about it. And it's it's just as bad in tech, although I've, I find the people who are mostly um, unless it's other people telling you they're the expert, the people who stand up and say, why, well, yes, I am the expert in this thing and da da da. They're usually the ones who are who are supremely confident and they're the ones who will not accept that they aren't actually uh, you know, not very smart at things. And the ones who are like, yeah, I, I kind of know the things that everybody's asking the questions of. And they're really like, I I'm not really sure I'm the right person to ask, but here's how I do it. That's mm -hmm. the guy, the, the person with imposter syndrome who really knows what's going on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're willing to keep looking for the correct solution as opposed to assuming they know it. Right. Right. Or advertising the fact that they know it and then charging you money. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's everything. Wow. Yay. Hooray. Yeah. No, it was fun. <laughs> Um, do you have any anything to to tell our listeners about, especially about, say, a Kickstarter going on right now? Well, yes. Well, um, I, I will do all the plugs. Um, <laughs> Plug all the things. So Uncanny Magazine, the next issue will be coming out in the first Tuesday of September is our double. Actually, I think it's actually triple large. Yeah. Uh, uh, Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction Special Issue yep. will be coming out then. I'm excited. I can't wait for my copy. Yeah, we are very excited. So the ebook version will come out. The, the print will take a little bit longer as we once we're once all that is. We're, we're going to be printing a book for the first time. So there's a little bit of a lag as we figure out how to do things. But learning, also, curve, just, learning curve. Yeah. Learning curve. Yep. We, we, we can get the ebook out on time. So yeah, ebook will definitely be out on time. We know this. And it is, it is in fact, I've just, the last emails are in, you know, and our guest editors our guest editors, uh, Elsa Shunis and Henry and Dominic Parisian. Are, are, are currently finishing the last couple touches. Yeah, but we're, are, we're getting there. We're but real the close. POC and cover array to be revealed nearly. So that that is happening. And while that is happening, uh, we are running the uh, the Uncanny Magazine Year 5 I Want My Uncanny TV Kickstarter. Yes. And for folks that um, would like to support another year of Uncanny Existing, this is your opportunity to do that over on Kickstarter. Uh, also, if you happen to be interested in getting a print copy of Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction and you missed out on that Kickstarter, there is a backer level in this Kickstarter for Year 5 that allows you to order a copy. Um, because we haven't printed it yet, there's still time for us to order enough copies for, for both groups of folks. So, so we, right. if you missed it and you still yeah. want in, there is, a, there is a backer level for that. So we've already reached uh, full funding for the actual magazine content and with some amazing solicited writers and essayists mm -hmm. and, and poets and artists. Uh, we just actually hit our first artist goal with another Galandara cover. It's going to be epic. It always is. And we are moving towards... Uncanny TV, which will be a video channel, which will be run by Mitchie Trota and Matt Peters, and it will be focusing on all of the creativity and wonder and awesome that is our geek communities. So and it's going to be a magazine-style show where uh, folks who are doing cool things within the geek community are going to be highlighted based on their the projects and their passions and the exuberance with which they commit their projects and their passions. So awesome. we are very we are very excited. That is our that is our big stretch goal, and hopefully we can fund this video channel for them. Yep. 
And I'm, I'm, I honestly, I'm really happy to be a serial backer for these, for these various Kickstarters. Uh, and, uh, I know Ursula has been a regular contributor and yes, we're, yes. we're really happy to be able to help, um, keep this, uh, keep the magazine moving and, and things like that. And so, yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. I'm looking forward to your success because you guys have funded at least for this one. Yes. yes. Yeah. There okay. will there will definitely be a year five for certain. Mm-hmm. That is that is we are now in stretch goal land, which is a lovely place to be. It's so, a great yeah. place to be. Yeah. So yeah, even if we did not earn another dollar, and we were, while we're recording this, we have twenty days left. So there's right. still plenty of time. But yes, we are already at the point where the uncanny you know, that you see on the internets and in the podcast will will be the same for another year. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm, I'm always glad to be able to, to back that one and uh, to help out. And uh, it's been great talking to you guys. So, <laughs> is that I, a question? Or- <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I didn't mean to up talk that one. It was just sort of an accident. Um, it's okay, we, we're kind of verbose. We get it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fix it, in, fix it in the edits. <laughs> It's no, it's really been great talking to to both of you, and I'm looking forward. to We're going to see you at Worldcon. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody there, and uh, you know, thank you very, very much for doing this. This interview. Thanks for having us. Yes, yeah, thank you so much for having Absolutely. us. It was a pleasure. And then for those of you at home, uh, we'll be right back with the rest of the show. are back Woo! i cannot say how much i appreciate talking to lynn and michael and for the two of them to take the time out of what is the middle of their kickstarter oh, to my. talk to me yeah so uncanny year five is happening we're really excited about it uh, you're a contrib- you're a regular contributor i am and one of my stories is part of the solicited stories for the kickstarter so and it looks like that's going to happen yes uh, it's that's they're all in stretch goals now which is pretty awesome. They do fabulous work. Yes. In honor of our guests, our badge code this week is Space Unicorn. <laughs> All one word, no no space no, no between space. space and unicorn. Yeah, Space Unicorn. And for those who are new to it, of course, we issue Mozilla Open Badges on the website. So you just have to go to the website, find the little box that says, enter your badge code here, type in Space Unicorn, all one word, and you will receive the badge for episode 59, which you can then share on other sites that support open badges, which includes open source projects and museums and schools and all kinds of cool things. Uh, we should probably wrap this up because there's a tiny orange I, cat grooming me frantically. I was just going there, yes. We will be back in about two weeks, somewhere around the, uh, looking at my calendar, around the 30th of August, 2018. We are going to Worldcon. Yes. We are going to start Jacob off in school Yep. for his junior year of high school already. (laughs) 
And we hope that for all you folks listening, that you're having a good end of summer and aren't dying of heat stroke the way it feels like we are every time we step outside during oh, the God, day. It's like oh, an armpit out there. It really is. Remember that you can support Productivity Alchemy and our other podcasts at Patreon, patreon.com slash Ursula V. You me. get all of Ursula's uh, T. Kingfisher ebooks for free, at least the independently published ones. Yep. You get to support all of our, all three of our podcasts. Yes. And uh, help pay for things like the transcription process that mm -hmm. we are slowly doing for Productivity Alchemy. Yep. For the terrible food we eat on KUEC. And, of course, for my luxury Ursula Vernon Memorial Ditch on Dog Skull Patch. True. And also office supplies. And also office supplies. The ones that we go to review. The ones I buy because yes. I just want them for me. I don't take out of the Patreon money because that would just be foolish and a mismanagement of funds. Yes. But thank you all for yeah, oh, your support. No. We are so mm -hmm. glad that we get to do this and that... You apparently continue to want us to do this, which is kind of awesome. It's pretty awesome. You can also buy me a coffee at uh, ko-fi.com slash ksunny. There's also a support page at productivityalchemy.com that has all of the ways you can support us that I keep forgetting to put on things like share it with your friends and share it on social media. If Even if you can't support us financially, the fact that you guys are sharing the love and telling your friends and, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. It means a lot to it us. It really does. And we look forward to, I look forward to the letters that come in every month and we will have another letters show in about a month. There I go with the up talk again. I gotta, I gotta break myself of that habit. You're channeling your inner teenage girl and there is nothing wrong with that. Teenage girls are some of the fiercest, most enthusiastic people on earth. They are the most dangerous force in nature, and I am in awe of it. I really am. Damn straight. So after all of that, there's an orange cat sitting here purring at me. Not on me, not around me, literally at me. And the dog is starting to snore. And the dog is starting to snore. So we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for sharing, for contributing. And go out and support Uncanny, unsupport, you know, the things that are important to you. And most of all, stay productive. <laughs>